Focus on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas. Well, this week we've headed to the polling stations to mark our crosses against the names of those that we want on local councils and authorities. And then we've heard the ominous and heartbreaking news of 15 million deaths globally, directly or indirectly related to the wretched COVID. And then here in America, tensions are heating up over the Roe versus Wade issue in the Supreme Court with violence being threatened. And then Amber Heard and Johnny Depp continue to scrap it out in court. Oh, yeah, and interest rates have gone up as well. Add to all of this the continuing unfolding tragedy in Ukraine, and we can see that what has happened in this last week has pretty much happened every week for the last couple of years, with dark, foreboding, tragic headlines bombarding us, surely prompting us to pray and speak up where we can, but also shaping the way we think, our perspectives on life. We use phrases like, the way I see it, in my view. We're talking about perceptions there. And there are people who are desperate to shape the way that we see things. The marketing folks who are paid to nudge us into the perception that we really desperately need their stuff. The propagandists in the Ukraine tragedy who tell the Russian people, no, we're not attacking civilians. Propaganda is a weapon used in warfare by all sides in any conflict because it shapes perception, the way we see things. So tonight we're going to reflect on this initially with a light-hearted response and then a more serious look at the way you and I see life, the news, politics, other people, God, and ourselves. Perspectives, the way I see it. His name is also Jeff. He spells it the same way I do. And he is part of our church family here in Colorado. And he is hilarious. Most Sunday mornings, we share a laugh or two after the service is over. But I was quite unprepared for his warm, sincere offer of hospitality recently. Jeff, said Jeff, we're pregnancy checking the cows this week. Why don't you come over and lend us a hand? Now, for the uninitiated in these matters, like me, let me say that I quickly learned that he needed not just my hand, but my arm. Without being too indelicate, farmers can either use blood tests or simply insert their arms into the hapless cow's rear end and find out manually if Daisy is in the family way. Now, in all my years of ministry, I have never received such an invitation, which I politely declined. Knowing the way my life usually turns out, Daisy would be irritated by such an invasive greeting and would dash around the field with me attached and screaming for help. No thank you very much. And then, just last weekend, Jeff offered another easy-to-resist invitation. We're castrating the bulls this week, he said, as I quietly controlled the urge to weep. Want to come over and help us out? I mumbled that I had a busy week. But then, in an instant, everything took a totally different tone. Jeff's laugh-out-loud face looked very serious indeed. 
Actually, he said, we farmers could really do with some prayer support right now. His eyes were sad. We are in a major drought here, he added. A third of my wheat crop has died already. We desperately need some rain. I promised to pray, and I did. And after he'd gone, I considered my own attitude to rain. I love the rolling green hills that we enjoy in the UK, but I've never been thrilled about the clouds that freely irrigate them. I like it when my windscreen wipers are on sabbatical. So much do I love sunshine, sometimes I've wrestled with what I hope might be a calling to serve in beach missions in Hawaii. I am willing, O oh Lord. But my brief conversation with my farmer friend gave me a whole new perspective about rain. Life can distort our view on things. Depression can do that, as can fear. And sadly, prejudice of all kinds blurs our focus. When we form an opinion of a person or a people group, our eyes are wide open to that which confirms our opinion. We surely must be right but we're often blind to what contradicts our made-up minds. You always can be a lethal turn of phrase in a marriage. Once we've made our minds up about someone, we can quickly close our hearts up to them as well. When we disagree, let's go out of our way to listen hard before speaking much. Let's carefully consider a different point of view, an alternative perspective, and be open to the unpalatable but very real possibility that we may be wrong. I'm happy to say that later that Sunday, a quarter of an inch of rain fell, a welcome response to the prayers of many. And we had quite a good soaking just this morning. Looking out at the puddles through windows beaded with water, I welcomed it as a blessing, my view my perspective on rain changed now forever. And my perspective on jocular Jeff is changed as well. Now he's not just the vivacious, cheerful chappy who always brings a smile, but he's a man whose challenges and burdens I understand just a little more. Let's pray that God will give us eyes to see with his perspective on life, on others, on ourselves. And while we're at it, please spare a thought for Daisy, the pregnant cow, and Johnny, the frisky bull, because they're both looking just a little bit nervous. As we ponder the subject of perception, I'd like us to take a few moments to look at a very, very old political battle that took place actually 2,800 years ago in Israel, an evil king and queen were ruling, Ahab and Jezebel, and terrible things were happening in the nation, child sacrifice, the worship of false gods. And so God raised up a man called Elijah. There was a showdown on Mount Carmel. He raised the dead. He announced a national drought. And when all of this reached the palace, they were not pleased. You can read about the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, but here's an overview. The king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, heard about all that Elijah was doing in the country. Jezebel was a thoroughly nasty piece of work, 
The New Bible Dictionary says that she was a forceful and domineering personality, which has got to be the understatement of the millennium. Anyway, she sent Elijah an email, well, a messenger, and threatened his life. So then what unfolds is this. Elijah is afraid. He runs for his life. He prays that God will take his life, having run for his life, which is a bit weird. He then goes on a six-week journey, and he sits in a cave and basically says, I've had enough. God meets him in that moment of complete and total despair. But it's also really clear that in this season of sadness, Elijah had lost perspective. You can see that by the way he complains. That's what can happen to us, particularly when depression strikes us. We see life through negative lenses. We hear the accusing voice in our minds. I'm worthless. Nobody cares. I'm a failure. I'm trapped. It's my fault. There's no hope. God doesn't care. Our sadness can thwart the ability of our minds to believe the truth. It can impair reason. And actually, our thought processes start to defy logic. The feelings are real, but they lie. Zoom in with me just for a moment on what Elijah was saying to God in complaint. And by the way, it's perfectly okay to complain to God. He can cope with it, and he knows our hearts anyway. But when we turn to 1 Kings 19, verse 14, he says this. In fact, he says the same word-for-word speech twice. His perspectives are locked in. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Well, that was true. But then he says, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. Actually, Elijah, wrong. They'd just renewed their covenant at Mount Carmel. Elijah continues, they've broken down your altars. Hold on there, buddy. They just rebuilt an altar to the Lord on Mount Carmel. Then he says, they put your prophets to death with the sword. That may be true, but they'd also been clearing the land of the Baal prophets. And then he says, I'm the only one left. And God has to correct that. There were actually 7,000 faithful people in Israel serving the Lord. You see, his perspectives were wrong. How we think shapes how we feel. I wonder in our lives, what emotional, what mental circles we wander around in, repeatedly stopping off at the same familiar points thinking that we must be right because we are thinking these things. And that's surely where trusted friends and sometimes trusted professionals can actually help us to break that mind lock. Because we see something and think something doesn't make it necessarily true. As we've been thinking about thinking, considering our perspectives I'm reminded by the words from the French novelist Anay Nin, who wrote tellingly, we do not see things as they are, but as we are. So let's take more time to look, to listen, to think, perhaps to hear the other side of the story. Let's consider 
how our own moods and emotions can affect the way that we see the world, the way that we see our own lives. And let's realize that especially when we're low, we don't always see straight. If you'd like to talk or pray about any of the issues that I've raised in this evening's program, Premier Lifeline is available on 0300 111 That's 0300 111 I hope to see you next week. Lucas on Life.